0: Good morning everybody, all of you who are worshipping with us online, we welcome you to this service and for everyone on all of our campuses, yay God that you're here today. Alex was in desperate need of a vacation, not just for his body but for his soul. There were a lot of things going on in his life and he couldn't make heads or tails of it. It seemed like his life was unraveling. And he had no idea how to get it back together again. He came up with an idea. He decided he knew a guy who had a working ranch. And he called him and he said, would you let me come and work at your ranch? I, I, I won't sleep in your house. I'll stay in uh, where the, the ranch hands sleep. I'll just stay there. And, and you don't have to pay me a dime. I want to work. You give me whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I just need a different environment right now. Something is happening in my life, and I can't seem to put it together. The guy said, sure, come, and, and you can work. We'll put you to work on the ranch, and he went. And it was the greatest time. He loved working with his hands again. He, he, he loved being active. He got to know some of the cowboys. And there was one particular cowboy he, he got really close to, became a great friend. Now, on that cowboy what, had a horse that he had bonded with so closely. It was a stallion, and the stallion loved him, and he loved that horse. And, and there was some kind of a connection that happened between the horse and the guy. Well, one day that horse accidentally stepped into a hole and he didn't break his leg, but he, he twisted his knee and he was sort of hobbling. And, and so uh, the ranch hand knew what to do. He, he put him out into pasture for a few days in order to sort of heal. Now, while that horse was in pasture for a few days... To my great surprise, I didn't even know there were herds of wild horses left. But a herd of wild horses tore through the fence, went into that pasture, and when they left, they took the stallion with them. When the cowboy discovered what had happened, he was brokenhearted. And he said, I'm not giving up my friend that easily. And he decided he was going to go look for that horse. And Alex said, hey, I'll come with you. They were out looking for a couple of days when they saw a herd, a wild herd out in this pasture and they figured it was that herd. And he looked through his binoculars, he saw his stallion. Now Alex stayed hidden away, but this cowboy went out into the pasture and he began moving slowly but surely toward the herd. He began to whistle, he began to call out, his horse's name and when he got into earshot with the horses all of a sudden they looked up they saw him and they bolted the other direction including his stallion he started running but then he stopped and he looked back and he kept hearing the whistle he kept hearing his name the horse looked toward the wild herd he wanted to go but he looked back toward his friend and he was making up his mind. And then he bowed his head and he turned toward his friend and he began to walk back toward that cowboy. When they came together, they, he hugged that horse and the horse nuzzled up to that man. And then the two walked together all the way back to the ranch and all the while here is Alex he is seeing this whole drama unfold before his eyes he's amazed by it he he never imagined such a thing could have possibly happened but while he is looking at what is taking place it's as though this is the moment that God crashed through and the Holy Spirit said to Alex you're the stallion we used to be so close You used to want to be with me. But you're hearing so many other voices. And you've begun walking away from me. But I'm coming back for you. I want you. And I'm asking you, would you come home? And Alex said in his own story that it was at that moment that his heart opened up again to God and he said he began to have tears coming down his cheeks and he said that was the deciding moment in my life I came back to God this morning I want us to begin a new series entitled encountering God day by day not just one encounter with God but encountering God day by day learning how to walk with God, to encounter God every day of your life. We're going to look at five key principles of how we can encounter God day by day. If you think about it, the last two series in this series is sort of like a trilogy. They all fit together. In September, we began a series entitled, The God Who Loves Me. And all the series was about who is God. Every member of the teaching team was very careful. We didn't say anything about God that God had not already said about himself and his word. We wanted to make sure it was God telling us who he is. The second series was entitled Our Rescue because it, the first series was about who is God. The second series is about who are we. We talked about where we came from, who God made us to be, and how and what went wrong in our life. It was sin that had separated us from God. We had begun walking away from God, and, and, and it was sin in our life that had separated us from Him. God looked down through time before he ever created anything. He knew this would happen. And he already predetermined that his son, Jesus, would come to the earth at a designated time. That he would die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. That he would rise again from the grave. And would open up a relationship between us and God. It was at that moment that God put our sins on Jesus and put Jesus' righteousness on us. It was the great exchange. So that now when God sees us, he sees Christ in us. And he welcomes us into his presence. We talked about how we come to know Christ as Savior, how we begin to grow in our Christian life. Now, in this series, I want us to talk about then how do we encounter God day by day in our lives? And this morning, this first message begins at the throne. We begin to encounter God when we go to the throne of God. Worship more than anything else is the act of encountering God. It is the way that we are able to see God in a new way. It is the way in which we are to see who God actually is and how He is intersecting our lives. It's when we can hear the voice of God again. Worship isn't about whether it's contemporary or traditional. It's not whether there's a band or an orchestra. Worship is about seeing God again and coming back to a deeper relationship with him. One of the greatest passages in the Bible that talks about this whole idea of coming back to the throne of God is found in Isaiah chapter 6. I love this passage. God has used this passage in my life so many times. So listen uh, to what happens in the passage beginning in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of His robe filled the temple, and above Him were seraphs." Stop for a moment. This is the only place in the whole Bible that the word seraph is used. A seraph, seraphim are angels. And they are angels that are there at the throne of God. One day when you and I die and we go to heaven and we are able to see God on his throne, we will see the seraphim. They will be flying around the throne of God. And in this moment, Isaiah sees them. He says, I I saw the seraphs, each had six wings. With two wings, they covered their face. With two wings, they covered their feet. With two wings, they flew. And they called to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. What happens in this story that causes a change in Isaiah. Let's take a look. First, our greatest need is to encounter God. There is a deep hunger in God's heart to encounter you. That you would encounter Him. That there would be a relationship between you and Him. Isaiah encounters God and what does he discover about God? He discovers that God is holy, that God is holy. Scroll down to verse 3, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty, and the earth is full of his glory. These seraphim had six wings, with two wings they covered their face. Out of reverence to God. With two wings they covered their feet. Out of humility to God. With two wings they flew. And these seraphim, as they are calling out to each other, are showing us what is the greatest attribute of the nature of God. What is it about God that sets him apart? We would think it would be the power of God. Omnipotence is the word meaning God, all-powerful. But they weren't calling out omnipotence, omnipotence, omnipotence. We would think it would be that God knows everything in advance. Before it happens, God sees that omniscience, omniscience, omniscience. No. It is holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. This phrase describes God who is above question, who is beyond reproach. He is El Shaddai, the Mighty One. He is Adonai, the Sovereign God. The chief attribute of God is purity, the holiness of God. The American church wants God to be loving. We want God to love us. And the love of God is the most powerful force in the universe and truly He does love us. And even when we mess up, even when we do things wrong, He still loves us. And the American church loves the story of the love of God, but the American church despises the idea of the holiness of God. We don't want God to be holy. Because if God is holy, then He'll want us to be holy. He, he will want us to be pure. He will want us to be right. Now we want God to love us and then live any way we want to live knowing that God loves us anyway. But when Isaiah sees God, when Isaiah encounters God, the chief attribute of God that Isaiah experiences is the holiness of God. The purity of God. Second of all, Isaiah discovers that God is sovereign. Notice what he discovers. He looks up and there is a throne. The greatest thing that he saw was not the throne, it was the one sitting on the throne. And notice that God is sitting on the throne. It means that God is in charge that God is calm, that God is in control. God is not pacing back and forth, wringing his hands, oh no, the world's gotten out of control. I don't know what to do. I never saw this coming. No, God is not pacing back and forth. He's not wondering how he can get through this latest situation. God is seated on the throne. He is in charge. He is in control. Psalm 103 verse 19, The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. One of the things that I've discovered about God is that God will use anything at His disposal to provide an opportunity for us to encounter Him. And that's exactly what's happening in the story. In the story, King Uzziah has died. That doesn't mean anything to us. It's just a point in history. There was a king. We don't know anything about him. He died. Who cares? But what happened when King Uzziah died is that it rocked Isaiah's life. King Uzziah was the only king that he had ever experienced, he'd ever known, and Uzziah was a good king He had brought goodness and God and the worship of God into Judah And, and it was a peaceful time, it was a prosperous time, it was a wonderful time. And it was all because of the leadership of King Uzziah. He had been the king for 50 years for crying out loud. He was the only king that Isaiah had ever known. And suddenly he was dead and Isaiah's world was rocked. The Jewish Talmud is uh, a collection of uh, Jewish writings of rabbis through hundreds of years. It dates back the Talmud dates back to about 200 years before Jesus and all these writings that these rabbis would, would, would do as they were going through Old Testament scriptures. They were sort of preachers and they were teaching and, and, and even back 200 years even though that was the beginning of the writing of these documents what the stories that they told dated back even hundred years hundreds of years before that and all these writings for the next 700 years. The Talmud is the collection of all of them. And one of the statements in the Talmud is that Isaiah was not just a subject of King Uzziah, he was the cousin of King Uzziah. This was a family member who died. Isaiah didn't just lose a king, he lost a family member that he loved with all of his heart. And his world was rocked. There are times in which our world gets rocked. There's a time that comes in which things happen in our life that we never saw coming. We didn't anticipate that it would happen and there it is. Maybe it's the doctor saying, you have cancer. Maybe it's a boss saying you're fired. Maybe it's someone that you love, that you've sort of built your life around, who for one reason or another is suddenly gone. And all of a sudden your life is rocked. All of a sudden you don't, I I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know what the next step is in my life. And it seems like everything is unraveling for you when your life has been knocked damaged by anything when your confidence has been shaken by anything when you're just going through life and what life brings the right place to go is back into the presence of God through worship something happens when we actually genuinely worship. You you look at the songs that we sing when we worship. Those songs talk about the nature of God. They talk about the characteristics of who God is and as we're singing those attributes of God we're talking about who God is. Something happens inside of us. It's sort of like our spirit grabs hold of it and we say yes! God, this is who you are. You are loving. You are godly. You are caring for me. You are holy. Something happens inside of us that locks in to those characteristics of the nature of God. And that's the purpose of worship. It is the opportunity to see God again. High and lifted up. In control. In charge. That's what happened with Isaiah. Isaiah. He saw God again. The second thing that happened to Isaiah was this. Genuine worship always produces a fresh purity in our heart. Because when we praise, when we have actual worship, not only does it open up an opportunity to see God again, it opens up an opportunity to see ourselves again in the light of God. And that's what happens to Isaiah. Look at the very next verse in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5. Woe is me. I cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. What happened was when Isaiah saw God in his holiness, in his purity, and looked back at himself, he could see all the sin all the impurity of his heart. Notice how he describes it. He says, I am ruined because I'm a foul-mouthed sinner. Foul-mouthed sinner. And I'm among a group of foul-mouthed sinners. He wasn't just talking, we think about foul mouth. he wasn't just talking about cussing. He was talking about The stuff that comes out of our mouth, the anger, the the arguing, the fighting, the criticism of others, the picking of other people apart, the gossiping, the things that come out of our mouth and off of our fingertips that are words that we can hardly even believe ourselves that we're saying, that we're typing. Look at me. This is why Jesus said that What comes out of our mouth, and today he would say off of our fingertips, is a window to our soul. It's who we really are on the inside. And when Isaiah saw the foul mouth in light of the holiness of God, he says, woe is me. I am such a sinner. All of us have an ability to see the flaws of others. All you got to do is be around some other people for very long, and you start seeing all the things that are wrong with that person. It's pretty easy to see, but ourselves, we have a tendency to give ourselves a break. I mean, really, I wouldn't ha- be this way if it wasn't for somebody else. Or we come up with excuses instead of actually facing ourselves. Have you ever been in a cave, a deep, dark cave? Or maybe it's a dark tunnel that's really long and it's so dark. Kathy and I have actually been to, um, uh, uh, in sightseeing, a few caves. And you get in, actually in an elevator. It goes down into the cave and, and, and then you start touring around with a guide. And then there is always this moment where the guide says, okay, now I want everyone to stop and I don't want you to move. I'm going to turn the lights all out. And when I turn the lights out, nobody move because we are going to knock into somebody. And he turns the lights out, and you, and then he says, "Put your hand up to your face. Can you see it? You can't even see your hand right here at your face. It is dark, dark, dark. Have you ever been in a place that's so dark you can't even see the hand in front of you? And maybe you are going through this time of darkness in your own life." Maybe it's a tunnel and you see a light at the end of the tunnel and you know, I can't stay where I am. i got to go to the light. And you start going toward the light. You can't even see the hand in front of, of your face, but you keep moving toward the light. And all of a sudden, when you are moving toward the light, suddenly the light gets bigger. The closer you get to the light, the bigger the light gets. And the closer you get to the light, the more you see of yourself. The closer you get to the light, the more you see it's this dirt road that you've been going down. And now you got dirt on you. And when you get to the light, suddenly you see what's actually true about yourself. That's what worship is intended to be. God is looking for personal brokenness within us. Brokenness over sin is the beginning of genuine worship where not only do we see who God is, but we see who we are in light of who God is. And Isaiah sees himself in light of who the holiness of God is. And what does Isaiah say in verse 6 and 7? Then one, he says, I am ruined. I am a foul-mouthed man among foul-mouthed people. And when he confessed that, notice what happens next in verse 6 and 7. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth. It didn't burn. He touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. What happened is that God heard this confession of sin of Isaiah to God, and God told the seraph, Go. And he took the coal from the altar. There's always got to be an altar and all the altar on the altar there always has to be a sacrifice Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice all the sacrifices of the Old Testament was just looking toward the ultimate one the last sacrifice the sacrifice that cleans you in the eyes of God forever it is Jesus that changes our heart. There's no cleansing without confession. There's no confession without conviction. There's no conviction without seeing what clean really is. Clean is the Lord high and lifted up. An encounter with God will always bring fresh purity to our hearts. In my worship of God I see him afresh. In my worship of God, I see me again. There's a third thing that happens in the story. Isaiah has seen God. Isaiah has seen himself. And his sin has been atoned for. And then what happens next? The natural response of encountering God is surrender. It's surrender. So listen to what God says then in verse 8. Then God said, who will go for us and whom shall I send? Why is that God's first response? Here is Isaiah. I want to be clean. I see God for who he is in his holiness. I see myself. I want to be clean again and God cleans him up. And then the first thing out of God's mouth is, now who will go for me? whom will I send? Why? Because God doesn't just want to clean you up. He doesn't just want to clean me up. He doesn't just want to save you and me. He wants to impact the world. He wants to change the world. And He changes the world one person at a time. And God then calls you and says, I want you I want you to be a part of touching the world. Oh, that's not my job, that isn't my calling, it's the calling of all of us that know Jesus. It's the calling of all of us, why? In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some have understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. God wants all men to be saved. Men and women and children, that's what it means. Mankind to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Our encounter of God, our change that He brings to our life is then for you and I To be a part of touching the life of somebody else, it's what God intended, it's what He wants, it's His calling in our life. Who will go for me? God intends for all of us to be a part of loving and leading all people to life change in Christ. So who's your one? Who's your one? Who is that person that you live by, that person you work with, that you go to school with? Who is the person that God intends to use you to touch the life of another person? Who's your one? And notice what Isaiah says. Immediately, Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. You know what struck me about that? He does not even know what the job is. He doesn't even know if he's good at it. He doesn't even know how to do it. He doesn't know anything about uh, what God is now calling him to do. He says, God says, who will go for me? Here am I, Lord, send me. Doesn't even know what the job is. But here's what he does know. I have seen God in his holiness and sovereignty. And he has cleaned me up. And whatever God calls me to do, I'll be able to do it. He'll give me the power to do it. He wants me to tell someone else about Christ. I can share with them what he's done in my life. He will show me what to say but oh God use me, oh God use me to make a difference in the life of someone else. Here am I Lord. Send me, who's your one? Who's your one? When Kathy and I got married, we met each other in college, we fell in love with each other and we got married. Now in the wedding you guys all know, right, that the one who plans the wedding is the, is the woman. The guys just show up. That's our only job. We just show up. And that's pretty much what happened in our wedding too, but there was a part of our wedding that was different. Kathy and I had a conversation about it, and we both agreed. There is one song we want to have sung in our wedding that is not a wedding song. It was a hymn. It is a hymn. And the name of the hymn is, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go. Kathy knew she was marrying a pastor. I knew this was the calling of my life. And we decided that in the joining of us together, we would make a declaration of wherever you lead, we'll go. He drew me closer to his side. I sought his will to know. And in that will I now abide, wherever he leads, I'll go. My heart, my life, my all I bring to Christ who loves me so. He is my master, Lord and King. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. That song, that statement is the outcome of worship. It's what happened to Isaiah. It's what happens to us when we encounter God and we see His holiness and His sovereignty and we give Him permission. Oh God, clean me up. Now God, I'm yours. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Would you open your heart to this today? Who's your one that God wants you to touch for him? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today. And Lord, I pray for those that are participating in our worship today online. And maybe, Father, this is an understanding of God they've never had before. And, Lord, move in their heart. Maybe this is the the moment of salvation in their life. I pray, Father, that many would make that decision today to give their heart to Christ, to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, to let you begin to clean up their lives. For every one of us, Oh God, you want to take us into a deeper walk with you, a deeper understanding of you. You you want to bring clarity to our lives and in the times in which it seems like everything is falling apart and we don't have any answers for anything. God, this is the moment that you want to move into this time in our life. You, you, You want us to see you in a new way and to see ourselves and to allow you to clean us up and then to say oh God I'm yours I'm yours send me God send me father I pray you would move in hearts of those that are online and those who are in person in all of our campuses and that this would be the moment that we would say oh God more than ever before I want to be yours More than ever before, I want to be yours. Move in our hearts, change our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.